Trigger warning, Death and Friends is not a podcast for the light of heart. Many dark and serious subjects will come up. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Nash. Hey. Would you like to hear a cool story? Ooh. No. The year is 1803. Okay. In an operating theater at the Royal Academy of Surgeons in Newgate, London, Giovanni Aldini attaches electrical nodes to George Foster's face. The theater is packed, and the audience waits with bated breath. Okay. George lies still, naked, eyes closed as Giovanni counts down and turns the voltage up on a battery. Kinky. Uh, Okay. The crowd pays no attention to Giovanni as he lectures them about the wonders of electricity and the human body. Everyone's eyes are fixated on George. Hey, you got a naked guy on a table. Clamps on him. Can't blame the crowd. Okay, fair enough. Giovanni turns the battery on, turns it way up, and the electricity instantly hits George. George convulses and seizures. His eyes open and his face creates an unnatural grimace. The crowd's brains are actually melting at the sight of this man convulsing. They are losing their shit. One man is so shaken, when he leaves the theater, he has a heart attack and dies. Good story there, right? Yeah, I liked it. Uh, wait a second. Yeah. One second. Uh, it's 1803? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Age of Enlightenment, right? Heavy quotations on the Enlightenment part, but yes. Okay. There are, like, other messed up things that people have seen in those theaters. Why is this shocking? Oh, um, because George Foster is dead. What? All right. Here we go. Death comes for us all. You might as well make it your friend. Your friend. With us on death and friends. Hello, skeleton army. Welcome to Death and Friends. I'm Angel, and that corpse with a heartbeat there is Nash. Aw, thanks, buddy. And tonight, tonight, we are talking about the spooky skellies that get kidnapped by other spooky skellies Ooh. and get themselves attached to electric rods. Ooh. They turn up the volume to 11. They make a thing. Are, are we... Are we talking about Frankenstein? We're talking about Frankenstein. Dude, we're a history podcast. Frankenstein is a story. I know we did vampires, but that like had historical context. True, true, true. All true. But so does the modern Prometheus, for we are exploring galvanism and other spooky shit that's related to the reanimation of corpses. Okay. Uh, well, I guess paint the picture, Angel? Oh, that's weird. Oh, that is a little weird, isn't it? I'm I'm sorry. It's okay. It's all right. I'm I'm fine. So it's the Age of Enlightenment and science and anatomy fever has taken hold of Europe. Dom, cue the mildly offensive music. Uh, Thank you, Dom. We're in Bologna, Italy. It's pronounced Bologna. No. Luigi Galvani is an anatomist in Bologna. And he... It's pronounced Uh, Bologna. (laughs) (laughs) 
Anyway, he begins to experiment on frog's legs. He believes that things could be brought back to life with the right amount of electricity, something he calls animal electricity. Very creative, this man. Uh, pretty sure it's Bolo GNA, Italy. The log, no. Your, your Italy has a first name? Bolo. <laughs> it's O-S-C-A-R. <laughs> it's fine. It's just Bologna. He is at first backed up by his professional frenemy, Alessandro Volta. But then Volta figures out that it probably has more to do with the metal rod than the electricity in the frog's legs. Volta is so petty in their arguments, he invents the first electrical battery that can continuously provide an electric current to a circuit, which becomes the basis for, like, all modern batteries. Literally all of them. Your phone yeah. has one of them. Yeah. If you used a vibrator recently, you can thank this man. <laughs> Thanks, buddy! <laughs> Woo! Galvani has dedicated years of his life to this, and so his reputation sort of takes a hit. While he's well respected, at the time it was more like, Hey, Gio, hey, hey, my leg has a cramp. You got a battery to help me out? Hey, oh! Your leg does have a cramp, doesn't it? So this is the basis for Frankenstein. Yes, exactly. Galvanism, obviously named after Galvani, is made even more famous by his nephew, Giovanni Aldini. Oh, the guy that defibrillated George Foster to life. Well, kind of. He couldn't restart the heart, and a lot of the reports were very much dramatized by the people that were there. So he technically failed. So no, he did not bring him back to life. Try and try again, I guess. But Giovanni was definitely out there with his ideas. See, these folks saw the human body as a machine, so it made sense that something like electricity could power it. Actually, these types of reanimating experiments kept going even in modern times. Quick example, in the 1940s, American biologist Robert Cornish did multiple experiments to try and bring dogs back to life. He kind of succeeded, too. Um, yeah, one of them lived for a day. Lived. Awkward. <laughs> Quotation marks. Uh, he also almost got a human subject in uh, child murderer Thomas McGonagall, who volunteered, but the state refused to give him over. Probably the one time I'm going to say, good for you, state government. Yeah, later, American neurosurgeon Robert White infamously transplanted a monkey's head to another monkey's body. Was trying to scale up to a human subject all the way up to his death in 2010. Who knows what wild reanimated levels of experimentation has happened since that we do not know about. What haven't you told us, government? Listen, that tinfoil hat has got to conduct a lot of electricity there, bud. Just saying. Oh, this old thing? Yeah, you should. Yeah. Hmm. You have 5G in your body now. You're vaccinated. <laughs> Makes me so powerful. Yes, I can levitate now. So all the shit stems from two Italian dudes just messing with animals and, like, electricity? Uh, yes, quite. Back to Aldini for a second. It is a history podcast. We gotta go way, way back. He had been experimenting with ox heads and other animals and eventually scaled up to a whole human body. The reason he was able to do that is actually another connection to Frankenstein. Wow. The year is 1752. And the British Parliament has just passed the Murder Act. Murder. Sounds great, but it's passed as a deterrent for criminals to avoid... Uh, hang on. Let me check my notes. Uh, okay. Crime. Uh, hang on, hang on. I got some notes on this, too. Yeah. Nope, oh, that's a wrapper. Hmm. Uh, murder, even. Oh, wow. 
Convicted murderers under this act had the option for their post-mortem punishment to be hanged and displayed, a lovely process they called gibbeting, or to be dissected for science. You think that most criminals would choose to be gibbeted because being dissected seems super gross. Icky. But around 79% of criminals subjected to this law were actually dissected. Why is this important? Well, much like how during the pandemic everybody started a podcast. Okay. Everyone in the 18th century wanted to be a doctor. And the way to earn that sweet degree was... Uh, Get a deal with Spotify. No. To dissect a human body. But hey, Spotify... You want to call us? I can hear you. You know that, right? Ah. Human dissection was illegal on the British Isles for the most part until King James IV of Scotland, who would later be renamed King James I of England and Ireland after Scotland became part of Britain, allowed for the medical dissection of recently executed criminals in the 16th century. The laws expanded throughout the years, but essentially they remained that criminals were allowed to be medically dissected, but there were never enough cadavers for students. The Murder Act is passed, and the supply increases tremendously, and now, humans can levitate. Wait, what? What? Okay, fine. Can't levitate. Well, some of us can't levitate, I guess. This is where the body snatching starts. Anatomists, as they were known, got dissection fever, baby! The demand for bodies is at an all-time high. And where there is demand, there is opportunity. Opportunity? Opportunity. Yeah, I get it. Hop to it. Thanks, Gary V. Uh, resurrectionists are the people that satiate this demand. Resurrectionists is the name they chose because they are, apparently, the edgy alt-right comedians at the time and decided to become villains because mommy didn't love them enough. Probably. They, <laughs> they would roam cemeteries and dig up them bones. God, there are so many euphemisms in here. I can't even pick a favorite. This gig paid damn well. These spooky assholes found out they can make a few months worth of money for just for one body. We will be revisiting body snatching in a later episode, because let me tell you, (laughs) there's a lot to dissect. Nothing? Really? We're just embarrassed of both of us. Okay. So people were super into dissecting people. Which brings us back to galvanism. It becomes a thing that many intellectuals get interested in. Even Charles Darwin's granddad, sadly named Erasmus Darwin. It's a bummer name. It's a bummer name. Is an English practitioner of said galvanism. <laughs> it's kind of like how everyone was briefly obsessed with alchemy when it was cool. Or astrology. Or butt rock. Sure. Hold me now. I'm six feet from the hills and I'm thinking... Focus, buddy. <clears throat> right. <clears throat> is that really called butt rock? Yeah, it is. It's called butt rock. This is the thing I learned this episode. Fun facts with Nash. Fun facts with Nash. Galvanism and dissection captures the imagination of the scientific community, which is why there's such an increasing demand for corpses. Thus, the body snatchers begin their snatching. <laughs> snatching at my chamber door. <laughs> Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered, we could marry no. oh, over God, no. many queen, oh, no. curious volume Nash, no. of forgotten no. lore, while I died nearly napping Nash. So- <laughs> <clears throat> I'm fine. We're fine. It's fine. In the theater where George Foster farted back to life for a second is a man named Anthony Carlyle. He is a surgeon at the academy, and he goes to parties where people clink fancy glasses to industry and science. Gentlemen, to evil. To evil. These parties happen at English writer William Godwin's house. William Godwin, in addition to being married to the very dope, marrying 
Wollstonecraft, is father to a young girl with a vivid imagination. That girl's name? Albert Einstein. What? No. Mary Godwin. I don't know her. The future, Mary Shelley. Fun? Mary Shelley is the ultimate sad girl. Probably. You can't blame her. She's had a rough life. Mom died a few days after giving birth to her from septicemia. Mary falls in love with an actual married fuckboy called Percy Shelley, who she would meet at their favorite author, her own mom's... Wait, what? She is an actual manic pixie dream girl. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Eventually they do get married, and we're going to fast forward a bit to the infamous challenge that occurs in Lake Geneva. Mary, Percy, Lord Byron, and a few others chill near a fire telling ghost stories at Lord Byron's house. His fuckhouse? Uh, no, more like his commune? Got it, a smelly fuckhouse. Hmm, probably. Anyway, Byron suggests that everyone try to write the spookiest story. Over the summer, everyone has stories in the works except for Mary. Then, boom, she has a real vivid nightmare on a stormy night. She has this idea, and she tells her story of a man who's obsessed with bringing life after death and the consequences of science without morality, chilling everyone to the bone. When winter comes, she begins to pen Frankenstein. At the time, she was really going through it. Had a stillborn birth, lost a kid, was chronically depressed, and also her man's fucking sucked. At the same time, galvanism and tales of body snatchers are running rampant through Europe. She is around all these intellectual scientists, artists, etc. Hearing these wild stories of a man coming back to life and people being body robbed so doctors can cut them up for... Reasons? It was all of this and then some to led her to write Frankenstein, or The Modern Prometheus. Timeless but aggressively contemporary novel for the time about abandonment, about fearing death, about all these insane and intense emotions that she was experiencing at the same time. Mary dies on February 1st, 1851 from a suspected brain tumor that had affected her health throughout her later years. She had become a successful writer and supported herself and her only son, regrettably called Percy after his dad. Bummer. But what was found after her death, I think we should go to Fun Facts with Nash. So Percy Shelley is a real son of a bitch. Dodging creditors, womanizing, but Mary still manages to love him. Then, in 1822, Percy gets on a boat he names Don Juan with his buddy Edward Williams. Oh, wow. As it turns out, this boat kinda sucks, and the three men that are on board don't know what they're doing. Shocking. They hit a storm, and the boat sinks, killing all of them. A little over a week later, they wash up on shore, decently decomposed and only identifiable by their clothes and their possessions. Percy's friend sets up a funeral pyre for him where he burns, and his ashes are gathered and given to Mary. But the weird part is that Shelley's heart doesn't burn. It is more than likely calcified due to tuberculosis or our good old buddy consumption do you have to smile so hard every time yes yes percy's friend edward trelawney takes the heart and after a few days with great hesitation for some fucking reason he gives it to his goddamn wife mary shelley a year after mary's death her family probably after 17 heart attacks find percy's heart in a drawer wrapped in his last poem adonis the people in her life often wonder what item Mary had kept with her in a silken shroud at all times, and why she'd never remarried. We now know it's because she kept her one true love's heart with her at all times, which is fucking metal and creepy as hell, and also like, girl, you could have done way better than that. 
And on that creepy, I'll be a romantic fun fact. That's the episode. A special thanks to you, our favorite listener. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A rate and review would also be nice. And of course, follow the podcast at Death and Friends Podcast. And hey, if you love the show, we've got a Patreon now. It's mostly to cover our sound guy's medical bills. In order to properly write medical facts, we expose Dom to all the illnesses and ways to die we talk about on the show. Uh, I reattached his head, so he should be good now. Let me check. Hang on. Yeah, he'll be all right. We're going to need some help. So check it out at patreon.com slash deathandfriends. And remember, you there. Hey, you. Oh, hey. Hey, hey. You are loved. You matter. And if you don't want to be your own friend, we'll be your friend. I made tacos. It's not even Tuesday. Come hang out. Until next time, Skeleton Army. Love you. Love you. Can you pass me one of those, actually? Those look kind of good, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, the salsa's over there. Okay, I'm going to get those. Is this Pace Salsa? Oh, oh my God, are I'm you so sorry. fucking I'm shitting sorry. me? It was just the only one they had. What grocery store are you going to? This has been a Knavery Inc. podcast. Go to knaveryinc.com for more details. Executive produced by Jacob Duffy Halbleib. Audio design by Dominic Guanzon. Themes and transitions by Amy Doe. The fuck is a knave? Remember this is a comedy podcast? Don't use it in your research papers. Giovanni turns the battery on and turns it up and the electricity instantly hits George. George convulses and seizures. His eyes open. <laughs> he can't. <laughs> Sorry. <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ooh. He made that noise, actually. He was like, oh. Like, that Ooh. Was the noise. <laughs> Ooh. Harder, uh, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> he turned the, vo- the electricity. Bzzz. Oh, I'm coming. Uh, that's what. <laughs> Just goes full up. You know, he's a grower. Yeah. Oh, oh, George, good for you, buddy. Death? Stop watching wrestling while we're filming. It's a pay-per-view. What do you want from me? To not watch wrestling. It's the first one in front of... You know, I don't have to justify myself. Hello, skeleton army. Death? Human dissection was legal on the British Isles for the most part until King James IV of Scotland. It was legal? Did I say legal? You said legal. Fuck it. Just open up some people while... (laughs) <laughs> Find somebody dead, just fucking crack them open, see what the ribcage looks like. Death? I almost said human bisection. <laughs> <laughs> every episode from Ooh. that one is literally going to be like, Daddy. <laughs> yeah, every episode is going to be so goddamn horny. <laughs> I uh, I told my buddy, I was like, this is our horniest episode yet, buddy. He's like, that's saying a lot, man. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, did you not hear the Egypt episode? I was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty good. Yeah, we were like. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Oh, Lord Carnarvon. Hi, yeah. hi. I was like, there's 60 people outside this tube and they're just. They're in just the slapping sound, the sounds of ham slapping each other. Yeah. Happy slappies. <laughs> okay. Death? It's called Butt Rock. Didn't know. <laughs> Is it because it sucks? <laughs> I don't know. Because I think that's the noise your butt makes when you listen to it. Because you're clenching. <laughs> I have an IBD. That's not the noise mine makes at all. Death? Snatching at my chamber door. <laughs> Shit. You didn't have it ready. I didn't have it ready. Oh. How dare you? <clears throat> oh, shit. He just did the thing off the ladder. That's fucking sick. 
Come on, buddy. You better fucking I like how you're like, shit. you didn't have the raven up, but I'm going to watch wrestling right you're now. You're not ready, so I'm going to take these few seconds. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yes! Yes! <sighs> My heart. Did the man in the pretty costume beat the other man in the pretty costume? Uh, the Fakely. charismatic... The... Wow. <laughs> I didn't know... Wow, Doing I didn't know... Doing acting. <laughs> I didn't know this is, uh, I didn't know you were these kind of folks. Hey, that's fine. I understand completely. <laughs> these are your opinions. Um, you know, I understand that that side of the aisle is completely opposite of what I usually am about. But you know what? I don't see why we can't be friends because politically, <laughs> clearly we don't align. Uh, but it's fine. It's fine. I will continue to work with you as long as we keep it professional. <laughs> uh, I did that to my friend because he was at the mall. We were at Walmart. What a bitch and, at the mall. <laughs> right? No, no, no. no. So we are at Walmart. So Walmart. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go look at the figures. Like wrestling figures. And he was like, oh, you mean the dolls? And he said it really loud. And like some people turn. And then I started doing that monologue really loudly. <laughs> and he's like, hey, man, stop. Stop doing that. I was like, hey, you know, that's you, man. I'm not going to. I still love you, bro. Because, you know, we can be friends even though you're on that side of the aisle. And like, you know. I'm just trying to make sure that people can do what they can do and feel safe. <laughs> Death? Once upon a midnight dreary, wow, I pondered, wow, wow, shit, hang on. Wow. 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 